Agents Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Lab Coat Nation, welcome back for another episode of the Lab Coat Agents podcast. And it is my pleasure today to bring to you a guest who is going to talk about his expertise in something that I would argue all salespeople absolutely hate to do. And that is the services of an ISA, an inside sales agent, uh, aka making outbound calls to leads and converting them. And I guarantee that most of you listening today are thinking to yourself, yes, you're right, Jeff. I hate doing that. I don't like doing that. I'd rather hire it out or I have my own ISA. Well, lucky for you, we are bringing in Gus Munoz Castro, who is the founder and CEO of Power ISA, Uh, which is a platform based out of Seattle. He's actually working on, we're about ready to kick off a partnership with LCA. We're going to talk some about that today. But before I turn it over to Gus and introduce him in, let me give you a little background about who he is. He is a former Microsoft senior engineer turned real estate agent turned ISA guru. Uh, he, He runs one of the largest ISA teams in North America with 65 agents. They make roughly 50,000 outbound calls per day. So I think that's pretty safe to say he's got some experience with this. They set about 100 appointments with buyers and sellers every single day, mostly from Facebook leads. So we're speaking our language here. And uh, he has grown his business to well over seven figures. That was a lot, Gus. Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Hello, everybody. Awesome, brother. So let's start here. Let's uh, let's take a let's digress for a second because most of our audience has never met you or hasn't heard from you before. So tell us who you are, where you come from, and how you've kind of got to where you are. I mentioned uh, you know Microsoft and whatnot, but tell us the story. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, great to be on here. Uh, my story is a little bit interesting. I was born and raised in Mexico on the border with California. So, you know, for the folks watching on video, you can see my San Diego Padres hoodie, you know, representing here. Um, so gr- you grew up in that whole area. And a lot of my family was both in Mexico and in the U.S. So, you know, and my and my cousins would always make fun of you if you spoke English with an accent. So I picked up the Southern California, you know, accent pretty, pretty, pretty well. Uh, and I, but I grew up in Mexico and I went to school down here. Out of college, I was recruited by Microsoft. So that's how I got into like the whole high tech world. I did engineering in school. And, you know, back in the early 2000s, it was a while ago, uh, you know, Microsoft was trying to find folks all over the place. Right. And Microsoft was the be all end all of technology back then. Right. Windows 95, Windows 2000, Xbox got released around that time frame. I mean, it was it was a pretty big deal. Right. Um, so I got to go to the U.S. Uh, through Microsoft. I moved to Seattle. 
very kind of big bit a little bit of a culture shock compared to you know the border area but i loved it and I, my wife went with me a couple of years later um and you know we started out there and you know it was a kind of a funny story because i always tell folks the entrepreneur of the family uh was really her right because she got licensed as a real estate agent she's also an engineer but she's like really really interested in the business side got licensed as an agent in 2008 Right. So right as the world was ending, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, she's like, hey, this is a great time to jump into the market. Right. And became rookie of the year with like eight transactions closed that first year, which is kind of crazy. But it was the times you lived in. Right. So I was I was still working at Microsoft at that time. She was doing deals, you know, making it happen with everything going on, everything that was going on. I heard the term short sales and foreclosures and, you know, pre foreclosures. And all, I saw all of these investors making moves, doing something really crazy. And I got licensed in 2010. I said, you know what? Let me help my wife. I'm going to help her nights and weekends. Let me help her run things. And then 2013 came around and I'm like, man, I have more fun on this, doing this, helping my wife doing than I do at my current job, right? At Microsoft. I'd been there for almost 10 years at that point, uh, you know, plus internships. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a hiatus. I'm going to take a six month sabbatical. I'm going to help my wife build her team. She's with K-Dub. So we're going to build a Keller Williams team. Um, and then I'm going I'm to go to the next job, right? I'm going to go back to corporate life and, and I'll do that. Well, it's been more than seven years since that. And I haven't looked back since. Awesome. Awesome. So I find that very interesting that you and your wife are both engineers. And I think on the surface, most wouldn't think of, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about, you know, where, where you've kind of taken your business, which is, you know, outbound calls, it's ISA. And I don't, quantify engineers and cold calling like that just those you don't put those two (laughs) together so i'm really curious like what led you to yeah obviously i i I understand what led you to real estate but what led you down now the path of this power isa and the outbound calling and leads and all that jazz yeah that's a really really good question i don't think i've been asked that question so that's so uh, you know one of the things that i that engineers like and I, I have that engineer mindset i'm a much better salesperson than i am an engineer and that's number one but i think the thing i liked about inside sales the role in general is its scalability and we we're talking about outbound prospecting i really appreciated and i admired the scalability it has if you have a business that is prospecting based it's just the amount of people you can have doing that prospecting role, hold, training them, holding them accountable, and managing them, of course. But I really, really, really liked how scalable that role was, um, you know, and, and that is what really just, you know, I went, you know, hook, line, and sinker into that role because I saw it as, hey, you can create a, a massive business out of this. Uh, as a real estate agent, uh, you know, we ended up making an ISA company, but I first had the ISAs in my team. Uh, you know, in my real estate team, that's how I discovered it. I'm like, yeah, this is this really helps, right? My my first ISA that I hired full time, I think within his second or third month, booked me 22 listing appointments, right? Wow. And this was this was back when we were we could call expires all day long, but I was like, I mean, wow, you know, I was like, I was kind of blown away by the potential the role had. If you had the right person in the seat, you gave them the right training, and you held them to the right standard. That, that's kind of what the engineer in me saw. The the potential. Uh, so basically, it leads back to the data, I guess, which then yeah. that makes sense. I'm just thinking picking a pounding the phones, which <laughs> which takes a unique human being. I hate I I consider myself a salesman, but I hate doing that. I'm a relationship salesperson, not a not a pound the phone salesperson. Uh, interesting. So you you bring something up, and and it brings up a question. I have a lot of questions for you, obviously, but I think 
the first question that I would have from your experience is when you got into this, obviously you just explained what led you, you know, what kind of appealed to you, but what, how did you find the right person? Because that's the key, right? I mean, you could plug 100%. anybody and put them on a phone, but not anybody is going to schedule 23 appointments like yours did. Yeah, a hundred percent, Jeff. And I think you're, you're hitting the heart of it, right? Um, you know, when, especially, and this is, it's a unique problem when you're first starting out is a certain set of problems. When you're, when you're, you have a small team, maybe you've got maybe two or three people total and you're adding like that fourth person, which is in the ISA role and they're salaried, right? So it's, it's definitely a big decision and you have to take care. Now that I have a team of 60, actually today, this morning, my team is 72 people. And I'm thinking by the end of the year, we're going to be a hundred people. So, just so you know, I have a different set of challenges now, right? It's, it's, I, you know, very kind of different set, but a fundamentally it's finding the right person, giving them the right training, holding them to the right standard and, and that retention piece as well. So it's all of those pieces, all those pieces are important, whether you're hiring just one person or whether you're hiring like me, I can hire five to 10 people a, a week, right? It's possible. Cause I know not all of them are going to have the skill set, the values uh, and the work ethic that I need. I need to get a lot of people through the door. When you're just hiring one person, I think people can get trapped in analysis paralysis. They want to find the person and they don't even want to push the hire button until they're 100% sure. And you can see issues like maybe over-reliance on the personality assessments. You're doing all the reference checking. And again, I'm from the Keller Williams world, so there's a lot of training around this. Mm -hmm. You can get stuck in that. You can get stuck in that. One thing that I've discovered is if you want to find the right person, you have to go through a lot of people. You have to go through a lot of people. It's not 18 different assessments on one person. You might have to go through 18 different people to find a rock star superstar. Yeah. So I think that's, and that's where a lot of the value that a company like MindPower I say brings. We, we go through the, those 15, 20, 30 people every week, right? You know, sometimes we can get, you know, dozens of applications in a single day. So we kind of help uh, scale and leverage that. But even if you're doing this on your own, I think if people shift their mindset of, I need to do uh, 30 steps to hire one person, you might need to do three steps to hire a person and just, you might get into the mindset, you might have to hire five people to find one great person. And I think sure. if we switch that mindset, Jeff, um, you realize that that's really the only way to scale a business, right? You get, you get, you are going to get better at hiring, but you really have to get really, really good at firing people. Got it. You know, so my first question is this, and as a, as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, as a business person, the first thing I think when I think about this type of a position, because I'm a, I built a relationship mortgage based business. And anytime a lead based conversation came in, the first thing that I spit out is that's not my expertise. In other words, I wouldn't even know where to start. Even if I was interviewing someone, I'm not really sure what traits to look for because that's not my style. I don't know how to manage that because I know that it's it's going to be more micromanagement probably on a daily basis. So if you're listening to this as an agent, and you know, there's really two options in my mind. It's do it yourself or hire a company, right? And we're going to get way more into Power ISA, which there are other platforms out there, but specifically we're going to be talking about that one today. But let's let's talk about that. It, it, what is so? What is what is it that you're looking for? And obviously, if you come from KW, I'm sure you're big on disc assessments and that sort of thing. But what what is your advice that you would give to an agent who's sitting there thinking to themselves, "Man, I know how to bring in leads, but I pretty much suck at follow up. I do like everybody else. It's ten days of pain, if that, maybe one day of pain, and then I vacate." <laughs> right? 
Uh, and that's the missing piece. I mean, you talk to successful people, they say that, the, you know, obviously the fortunes and the follow-up, we, we've heard that cliche, uh, you know, line, but it's true, right? It's, it's, yeah, the, the, there's so much value in nurturing leads over a long period of time. And those that are good at it are the ones that scale to big business. And most everybody else just, just, just muddies in, in mediocrity because they don't do a good job of it. Right. So back to the question, how do you find them? Like wh what, where do you go? So when you started, maybe not now, is it Craigslist? Is it uh, indeed? Uh, where are you finding these people and what are the traits you're looking for when looking for a good ISA? Yeah, absolutely. Great, 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 great question. Um, you know, I do a lot of my hiring outside of the U S but if, you know, I, I, I hire some people in the U S as well. I mean, there's some, one of the advantages of the U S is there's some great platforms out there for hiring. I mean, it's just a huge advantage to have over any other place on earth. Um, you've got platforms like ZipRecruiter, like Indeed. You have a situation in the country right now where there's millions of people, like in the millions, looking for a job, looking to change jobs, looking for a work from home position. It's a really unique market. We're, we're recording this in the fall of 2020. It's been one of those years, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. But one of the things, one of the effects of that is that you have a lot of people looking for a new opportunity, particularly, and this is, again, each business owner decides with how they want to run their business. If you're open to remote work, the sky's the limit on the amount of talent you can bring into your team. So you kind of, kind of position yourself in that market and reach out to it using any of those platforms. They all work, Jeff. They all work. They're all going to bring quality candidates in there. The only one I've ever had any issues with specifically is Craigslist. It was more local-based, right? More location-based, you know, in Seattle, Seattle Craigslist. And it was it was hard for me to find quality candidates through that particular platform. But the other ones you mentioned, uh, I, I would go with any of those. They all 100% work. Also, Facebook groups are a great way to recruit people. We do that even more and more now, right? It used to be kind of a fringe source uh, last year. This year, it's a huge part of our recruiting practices. We look for groups, Facebook groups of interested, like-minded people, and we let them know that we have an opportunity. So that's another way to get people through the door. So great. You've got one of these sources working. You've got people sending you applications. Okay, what are you looking for? So, you know, I, I'd love to say there's like some kind of special secret formula, but we keep it very simple. Again, we're hiring at a, at a large scale. We understand that there's a few indicators that will tell us, okay, does this person have any experience in sales? That's a great indicator that they might be a good salesperson. Does this person have any experience in retail sales at least, right? Any customer service experience? Anything where they had to talk to people, that's a plus. It does not discard them if they don't, though, Jeff. And I think that's where the nuance comes in, right? We always, when someone comes in, we, we describe the position in these ads, in, in, the, in these job postings, and someone comes in, we give them the benefit of the doubt. If, you, if you're interested in a sales job, I'm going to guess, you know, we give them the benefit of the doubt that they're interested in the sales position and they have some kind of sales skills until they prove the contrary, right? Until they tell me that it's not. So we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. We go in, we do a, a phone interview or a, or a Zoom interview, uh, and, and we want to talk to them and we want to check out that skill set. Can we connect? Do they seem likable? Can they build rapport? Can, can they, you know, having a converse, can they have a human conversation with someone, uh, you know, and keep someone's attention, right? And, you know, there is a definitely a lot of subjectivity that goes into that. But once you're doing this a while, you know it when you see it. I, I, and I wish I had a, a, better, a better tip than that. But right now, my recruiting team can spot talent, you know, by talking to them 10 to 15 minutes, right? Having a, a single conversation to see kind of what a kind of reaction they're going to get. As soon as we have that done, right? We bring people in. We're going to do background check. We're going to do all the, like the automated checks as well. That's definitely recommendable. 
you want to get them into a class and you want to get them on the phone as soon as possible. Because once they're on the phone, Jeff, the fakers cannot fake being on the phone, having a real conversation. It is not going to happen, right? We have people that leave our training class the first week because they're just not, they're just in the wrong, in the wrong place. How much money did you waste on that? A couple days salary, maybe three, maybe four. I would rather take a risk on someone and then just not working out and get them out of there right away than not take any risks. So, so to scale a company, again, this is a scale problem. This is not, maybe not many people are going to run into this, but I'd rather take it. If you're hiring at a hundred percent, a hundred percent of your candidates become hires, you're, you're, you're playing it too safe. In my opinion, you're playing it way too safe. You cannot scale if you're batting a thousand. It's a little bit, you know, counterintuitive. You got to take some risks. You got to get people in. You got to give people a chance. But the standard doesn't change. The standard is the standard, right? You've got, we got to be able to talk to people on the phone. You got to be able to learn your script. And that is literally from one day to the next, Jeff. This is, we're not talking about learning a whole Shakespeare play. We're talking about learning half a page of text, right? And, and even if you follow it 80% of the way, I want you to understand what that, what that says, what that means. So all of these behaviors, are you showing up on time? Did you do your homework from yesterday? Do you have any questions from what we talked about yesterday? All of these bits and pieces of their values, their work ethic, their attitude show up very, very quickly. They show up very, very quickly. So yes, you're going to have people that are going to bounce out within that first week, but I much rather would like to judge them on their actions and the results then everything you can do that tells you whether someone's going to be successful before they're sitting in the chair. I, I'm very, I always hold those things. I'm always suspect of those things, right? I'm a little bit, I don't trust them a hundred percent. I'm always concerned that all of these pre-checks before you get someone in the room on the phone can discard valuable skilled people. Um, I'd rather have 10 people in the room making calls and I'm going to pick the top two people out of that room of 10. Uh, then try to do all these pre-checks to just bring in two people out of those 10. Mm -hmm. If possible, I tell people, how do you find great people? You hire a lot of people and you pick the best one. You hire a lot of people and you keep the best one. That's it. Interesting. So it's almost like you lower your standards on the hiring process uh, in order to bring, because, because what you're, I, the way I'm, uh, the way I'm interpreting what you're saying is that it's hard to identify talent just through interviews, uh, through background checks, you need to actually bring them in, which there is, there's a time aspect to that. There's a monetary uh, risk to that. I think a lot of people probably would struggle with just overcoming the mindset of doing that because you're talking about a few thousand dollars that you just down the drain and that just one week of the eight people you might let go, right? But I guess that's the difference between, you know, scaling to other levels versus doing what probably a lot of people do, which is the other ladder. Let's just background yeah, check absolutely. them to death. And, and I've got a huge example there, but you can bring it down to a team where it could be two people, right? Or, or really different, Jeff, you can hire people one by one. Uh, um, and I think that's still a, a sound uh, a strategy, but understand that if they're not meeting the standard, they don't have to be there three months, right? It might take you three months to find a great hire, what I'm against is that it's one person for three months, right? It's one person at a time for three months. But I think it's going to take you two to three months to really find the great person. And you might have to go through five different hires to find that great person. I, I'm just trying to tell people to lose that fear, lose yeah. that fear. And less than 
60 to 90 days, it's very difficult to find a quality hire. Very difficult to find a quality hire with less than 60 to 90 days. And I would say if you're just doing one person and you're keeping them in the role for 90 days, your chances of success are extremely low, extremely low. I would say hire fast, fire fast, and keep the best. The talent always rises to the top. Love it. Have you found that a certain disc profile uh, is better in this role than another? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. There, there's a, and I want to be careful with that because, you know, even Keller Williams says this should be about 30% of your decision, right? Because this uh, has, you know, it's not the be all end all. And then, you know, or, or I haven't actually taken the career visioning class at this point. So there, there's been some changes there, but ultimately the personality profile, you have to, it's, it's one more data point, right? One more data point. You should consider it. For me, the thing that always wins is performance in the role performance in the role. I understand that this can tell you about long-term you know, longevity, about you know where their energy comes from, 100%. Um, but I, for me, the, the performance in the role and what I'm seeing um, definitely takes a, a, a bigger part to that. So we definitely see people with the high I, with the high D, uh, tend to you know uh, be more successful in the role. We have more folks like that. Um, and also within ISA, there's different roles, even within ISA. If we're gonna have a hardcore cold calling person, Yes, the high D has to be there, or at least it has to be dominant, right? Or, or close to dominant. They have to have a significant D to really be successful in that role uh, versus more of the inbound lead ISA where there, it's more of a customer service profile. So more of an high I, high IS uh, is going to be more, uh, more typical in that role. But like I said, um, those are guidelines. Those are mm-hmm. tips and tricks. I would not discard a person. Uh, oh, they're not a super high D. They can't do cold calling. Cold calling is a very difficult uh, skill to teach and grit. Sorry, not not, not just cold calling. Grit, tenacity, is very difficult to interview for. Jeff, like, mm-hmm. how do I know you have grit? You know, in general, values are next to impossible to interview for. You have some indications, but you know, I, I, you, you kind of see those in action. Grit and tenacity is one of them. You have to see them in the role. You can have the best disc profile ever. You might not have any grit and any tenacity. And you're going to give up. Uh, right off the bat with a lot of these calls. So I always tell folks, yes, there's tendencies, 100%. You can see them. I see them in my own team. Um, But you got to be careful around the edges um, to always measure that. Okay, make sure you understand it. So so we definitely use the profile assessments. We 100% use them, uh, but we get, it's just one more data point that we Awesome. Awesome. So I feel like we've beaten that to death. So let's, 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 uh, let's uh, move forward and let's talk about, you know, the source of, you know, you can have, you can, we can do all this, what we just talked about and hire the right ISA, but if they don't have anything to call on, if they don't have the leads, this is all moot, right? So uh, you specifically mention, and, and, you know, obviously reading up about you that, you know, you focus Facebook is primarily where you're driving leads. So I'm curious, uh, let's start with the very basic, where are your leads coming from? I think I kind of answered that, but why, why are you choosing Facebook over, let's say Google PPC or any of the lead aggregators? Why are you, why is that your choice? Yeah, well, the the folks that hire us are the real estate teams, the real estate agents. It's really their choice, right? So we actually started the company in 2015 as a cold calling outbound company. So we started just doing circle prospecting. It was our first activity. Fast forward five years later, we're like 90% Facebook focused. And we're following the market, right? We're just doing where the industry, we're going to where the industry is going. Five years ago, you could get a listing appointment 
multiple listing appointments a week off of just cold calling neighborhoods. Can't do that anymore, right? The market has shifted. The technology has shifted. So where's the market going? It's going more towards inbound leads, specifically Facebook, because it's the best, ROI. my opinion, the best ROI you can get out there right now for real estate. Um, and a few years ago, it was Google PPC, 100%. Uh, before that, it was Craigslist was the best ROI you could get. Uh, and guess what? Next year, it might be YouTube as another emerging one. More and more people jumping into YouTube. I guess whatever it is, um, you know, the, the, the lead source definitely matters. The context matters. But once it comes in, it becomes a conversion game at that point. Contextual, yeah, it came from YouTube versus Facebook versus Zillow. We treat those differently. But at the end of the day, they're coming into us and the conversion game starts. And like I said, fortune isn't the follow-up. Truer words have never been said. Um, and, and it's a grind and that's why people hire us. But let's be honest, Gus, online leads, leads in general, they <laughs> suck. <laughs> I mean, why do you, and I know, I know where I, obviously I said this for a reason. I'm putting the ball on the tee and letting 100%. you just whack it out of the park. <laughs> uh, you know, but I actually would agree with that statement. I mean, I think they suck. You're going to turn one out of a hundred, maybe if you're decent at follow-up, tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and I, you know, and I hear that all the time. And actually that's one of my favorite phrases now. Hey, all the leads suck, you know, because, okay, I, I always want to break it down. Here's the engineer coming out. So, so, you know, you're warned. Um, you know, whenever I hear that, oh, the leads suck, particularly when they're talking about Facebook, because I hear that a lot about specifically Facebook. I always tell them, okay, let's break this down, right? Let's figure this out. And this is the same thing I do with my ISAs in the team. This is exactly the same thing we do. Great. So they suck. Okay. You're not getting the results you want. Awesome. Let's break it down. What is the specific problem we're running into? Do you even know what it is? This is a conversation I have with agents and team owners and all these things. And I tell them, are you not, are you out of a hundred leads? How many are you even able to talk to? Right? Because sometimes the complaint is the leads suck. They never pick up Gus. No one's answering my calls. No one's responding to my text messages. This is, a, this is terrible. That's one specific issue. The other one can be, they're talking to 30, 40, 50% of them, which is a great percentage, by the way but they're still not getting any deals. Like Gus, I'm talking to these guys and, they're, and they don't want to do anything. They're like, they're totally, they're not motivated. They're not ready to go. They might be doing something maybe next year. This is crazy. They, they don't want to meet with me. They don't want to meet with me. Two right? top of funnel, so those basically. Are the, yeah, yeah, the top of the funnel, this, they're, or just not motivated. They don't, they're not, they don't want to do anything at all, at all, right? So those are typically the two areas where the leads suck fall into. No one picks up the phone. No one wants to meet with me. So my response to that is, okay, great. That's great. Once we identify whether it's one or the other, if people are not talking to you, I, I go to the next question, which is, okay, now I'm curious. Awesome. So when the lead comes in, how quickly are you able to reach out to them? And, and that's where usually, you know, you get the blank stare, then people get mad. Like, well, you know, gosh, I'm in meetings all day. What can I do? You know, I, I call them as soon as I can, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that, because, you know, because speed to lead matters, number one, right? Tell them speed to lead matters. And if you're, we're all busy, right? Especially in real estate. If a lead comes in five, six, seven, eight, nine p.m., you're either in appointments, meetings, or having dinner with your family. You're not going to call them right away. Understood. Have some automation in the back end, right? S respond somehow. Send them a text message. Send them an email. Send them whatever you want. But the truly no excuse. The consumer expects an instant response. The consumer expects it. They're browsing Facebook on their mobile device. They want uh, an acknowledgement from that mobile device that you're listening, that you're there, that you know that you want something, right? That they're being, you know, listened to and that someone can reach out to them. So whether it's a chat bot, your CRA might have some automation in there. 
find a way to do it. Or if you have an ISA on your team, have them call people right away as soon as they come in. So that's the speed matters. It definitely matters. The second thing about not getting anybody on the phone, I go, great, calling somehow calling them right away, great. Okay, most people are not going to pick up. Even, the, even if you call right away, most people are not going to pick up. It is the follow-up game after that, right? And I tell them, how many times do you typically call people? And that's where they also get mad. Oh, you know, it's, you know, it's hard, it's difficult. You know, it's it, it, absolutely, I, I, I don't disagree with that. But how many times do you typically give them a try? And it can be a couple times. If they're really honest, they're going to say maybe two, three times. Um, they might, it might go on for a week. And I tell them, on my team, we measure this. We run hundreds upon hundreds of campaigns across the U.S. and Canada. It takes us, on a, this is an average number, 14 attempts across 60 days, right? Not 14 attempts the same day or the first week. 14 attempts across 60 days to talk to 50% plus one, right? On average, if you wait, want to get wait, to wait. that number. What does that mean? 50% plus one. Talk to the majority of them, 51%, 50, 51%, okay, right? Okay. The majority, if you want to even have a chance to talk to the majority of them, you better be having some kind of plan for 60 days, 14 touches. If you're not doing that, I am certainly not going to talk to 50%. And this is a, like an average campaign across the, the US. Again. Four, I, if you're doing less than that, I feel that you're leaving money on the table. You're not getting enough contacts. People are not not giving people a chance to pick up the phone. Sure. And, and for, so 14 attempts over 60 days, that's less than what I would have thought if you had asked me, what do you think it is? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it is. It's, it's way more than most people do. Sure. Uh, but I agree with you. Maybe maybe people are doing like, you know, they can do 30 touches, 20, you know, you can do more. Um, but if you're not doing that minimum, if you're not Got doing it. that minimum, your chances of talking to 50% or more is, I'd say it's almost zero. So now that you brought that up though, what is what is the right cadence? And I know there's no right or wrong answer here. What's the ideal cadence that you guys have found? I guess this, that's a multi-part question. What is the right number of touches that you guys find? Is it 14? Is it 20? And then what is the cadence? And then what is the means? Is it all calling? Is it all texting? Is it all emailing? What is it? Yeah, so really good question right so we have different follow-up plans kind of depending on what kind of lead source you have so it goes from the very low one is going to be 16 touches the very minimum we'll do across three months but and we'll do another another one of our plans is 27 touches across 12 months so we kind of kind of depends what kind of a lot if it's a shorter term uh lead it's going to be the more of a top of a funnel lead so it kind of depends uh but we're never going to do anything less than that 14 and 60 day we're like that's just the bare minimum right uh for us for us the bare minimum is going to be that uh, but we have plans that are more intense than that. We always combine calling with texting, calling with texting. Texting has a very high uh, response rate. Some of those responses are not very kind, but they will definitely respond. Um, but we've, and we measured this. We used to do, so this is a fun job. We used to do equal amounts of calling, texting, emailing, calling, texting, email. equal amounts, five, five, five. This was years ago. Um, and we did it. And we measured that one time. Say, hey, let's look at 500 appointments. Let's look at that. What what percentage came from each one of those sources? Like where the conversation was was started and the appointment was set, and eighty percent of those appointments came from phone calls. Eighty percent of those mm. appointments came from phone calls. Twenty yeah. percent were actually set one hundred percent via text message, which is impressive, um, and less than one percent was was were set via email. Not surprising, right? Not surprising because email is 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 good to keep you top of mind to kind of look at things for a second. It's not a great conversion tool, and it's not not anymore. Maybe right? Not a great mm -hmm. conversion tool. You're not going to have many people self-set appointments 
uh, through email anymore, right? But but texting definitely gets people's attention. But a lot of our texting gets people on the phone. That's the point of the text message. Hey, can I give you a quick call, Jeff? Can you talk right now? So yes, you can definitely get some appointments set via text message. But the purpose of those texts is really to get people on the phone because phone is king. Yes, we are in the fall of 2020. Yes, everyone and their mom hates phone calls. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I'm just telling you what works. Yeah. Having a two-way conversation with someone, still the best way to get anything done in sales. And I don't think that's going to change for the foreseeable future. Have you found that DMing has become a new uh, effective means at all? Or has it even entered into the equation? Uh, like social media DM? Yeah, like, correct. Like not text. Tools? Not text, yep. We, we don't do it, but for me, it's like texting. It's on your phone. You're going to yeah. get a notification. I, I, I would be surprised if there's any difference uh, between a regular uh, a text. Some people will treat it differently, but that's that, that line is getting blurred. But Facebook Messenger incorporates SMS now. A lot of these messaging apps incorporate SMS. So it's like, hey, it's one more chat, one more notif- notification. I, I would love to have some data for you saying, hey, we've measured it. And it's the same. I don't have that. My instinct, my gut says that on the mobile device, a notification is a notification. Awesome. So obviously, you know, again, you mentioned that uh, Facebook is the best performer right now. Uh, So what kind of advice do you have for people? I'm sure you have some experience with it. What is what's performing the best? Like, what do you recommend for people? Yeah, I mean, really good question. And I, I, want to, I want to clarify, I'm not a Facebook ads expert. I'm not a marketing expert. But because we manage so many campaigns across the U.S. and Canada, we see trends. We actually release, uh, you know, monthly, we release the top performing campaigns for the last 30 days, right? And, the, and, and these last six months, you know, with COVID, the pandemic, it's been a really interesting ride, right? You saw, you know, like the emergence of these refi campaigns became really hot during the summer. It's amazing, right? Like boom, 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 boom. Um, you know, uh, lender lender focused campaigns have been great, um, but but the, the the type of campaign that every single month is in the top ten every single month is a home list, like a list of homes, like a Facebook ad that offers people a list of homes at or under the median uh, price in your area, right? It has some nice pictures on it. That is like the workhorse of real estate marketing for Facebook. It's like the homes list ad, mm-hmm. the generic homes list ad. And I think a close second to that would probably be the single listing ad. Single listing ads are very hit or miss though. You might have a dog of a listing, it's not a great listing. That might not attract a lot of attention. So I don't like that aspect of the single listing ads, but the homes list ad, that is a a, a perennial top performer. Definitely goes uh, above and beyond everywhere. The, the, The trick to that is, again, you have to have some nice pictures on there. You've got to have, figure out what the right price to put that list at is. If your median price, let's say San Diego, Median price is like seven hundred thousand, right? That's a median price. Are you going to put that seven hundred thousand? I would experiment with seven hundred, eight fifty, and five fifty if you can find properties in that range. Put them out there and see what people are going to come in through, right? And measure and look at those results. So you always want to try and tweak that because if you can find the right number, Jeff. Yeah, you're going to get tremendous ROI from that ad. Interesting. Interesting. Is there any other? Uh, so you mentioned the homes list. You mentioned a listing. Is there any other uh, ideas that you've seen work? Uh, one of the top performing ads for the year, and this we noticed this back in January, VA homes, VA home loan ads. Uh, specifically, for example, um, you know, a list of homes that qualify for VA loan, for example, right? 
or, or, or add around getting information around VA loans. Uh, there, there's, there's some compliance issues with that. You have to have a lender on your campaign. There's a couple of things. I mean, so you definitely look into that, uh, but particularly that at very, very, very high conversion rate. We believe, again, don't know this for sure, that it's a very specific type of ad and you can kind of give a hint to the Facebook algorithm on who to target. And it's a very easy ad for the, for the algorithm to show to the right people. Because mm-hmm. Facebook, surprise, surprise, knows where you work, right? It knows what you do, kind of knows your worldview. And it goes, oh, veteran. Oh, active military. Oh, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's very good. I feel it's very good at that. So you see a really high conversion rate for those, uh, for those kinds of ads. And, and just in case people don't know this, you know, last year, I think it was last year and a half, Facebook put a lot of restrictions on real estate ads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can, you know, you can Google that. It's called the special ads category. It's an interesting restriction. However, um, the Facebook ads, they still work. We didn't see a huge drop off. Uh, if anything, more people are using Facebook now than we were last year. And I'm pretty sure next year they're going to use more, use it more than even this. Interesting. And you mentioned that uh, you're anticipating or you're seeing that YouTube is coming. Like that's, I mean, it's here, but I mean, it's coming. Yeah, it, it, it's coming. And here, and, and this is again, fall of 2020. I don't know how long this is going to last, but right now YouTube does not have a special ads category. You can do all kinds of targeting mm-hmm. on YouTube. Uh, you know, don't quote me on how, if that's going to last forever. I don't think so. But everything you used to, used to be able to do on Facebook, you can still do on, on, on YouTube. So that's that um, that right there, folks, might have been your golden nugget from this <laughs> podcast right here. It pay, pays the price of admission, right? Right. Well, you know, it, I, well, I'm a I'm a look ahead guy. Uh, I've been on TikTok for over a year now, preaching it. Everybody told me I was awesome. an idiot, and now here we are. And and look at it; it's it's becoming very relevant. So that's when huge. you say that, if nobody else took anything from that, I did, and I'm like, ooh, I got to start a hundred percent. So here, a couple more nuggets are on YouTube. One, you can do uh, you can do targeting obviously on keywords, right? Like mm-hmm. Google, like mm-hmm. Google, and you can you can do targeting on, for example, this. If you're, when we put this on YouTube, I can place ads on this channel. Like, hey, people watching Jeff's channel, I would have put an ad in front of that. It's a very powerful targeting tool. It's a very powerful targeting tool, like way above and beyond. Uh, anything you can do uh, anywhere else, only comparable to Google. But in Google, I can't put ads on Jeff Fitzer's YouTube channel. Like, hey, and, and you can expand that to whatever you want. There's YouTube channels that attract a certain type of demographic, a certain type of age group, a certain type of interest, uh, you know, home improvement, uh, you know, a mortgage, you know, real estate related stuff. Uh, you can have a lot of success with that. The cost, I do want to say this, the cost per lead is going to be higher than Facebook, no doubt. But what, again, the limited amount of campaigns I've seen come to me, the conversion rate more than makes up for that. Interesting. I've actually heard YouTube's really cheap and, and partially because of how you pay based on how long someone watches, which is pretty cool. You yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think cost per lead for actual like qualified leads, uh, I haven't seen it be lower than Facebook. It might be cheap, cheap compared to maybe Zillow. Um, but I haven't seen it be, be lower than than Facebook, for example, which is, well, which I is mean, right now the most uh, inexpensive. When you compare to Zillow or RDC, where now you're now going to be paying a percentage of your commission, it's a whole different yeah. ballgame. <laughs> to- totally separate. Totally separate. And again, Zillow still works. I'm not going to knock Zillow. Sure. Zillow is. I think we can we convert Zillow at I think forty percent to get to appointment. I mean, Zillow is our high quality stuff. The problem is what you just said. Yeah. It is adequately priced to that conversion rate, and yeah. you got to be really careful with those. Things. Love it. Love it. Okay. So this has been great. I mean, I think we really dissected this and, and, and 
as I do with a lot of our guests, you know, they're, most of them are always experts on, on their field. And like I always tell people, it's like, you know, do you want to try to be the jack of all trades or do you just want to focus on what you're good at? And, and let's be honest, folks. I mean, this of all the topics we discuss is a, is a topic that most of us just don't like. Uh, either we don't like it, we're not good at it, we don't want to do it, uh, which now is a perfect segue into power ISA. So clearly you're an expert at this. Clearly you're a data geek. And I mean that in the, in, in a complimentary way. I mean, you're an engineer. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's good. I think that's a good thing to know about you. So tell us more about power ISA. Tell us why somebody listening here is thinking to themselves, all right, a, I'm not doing leads. I need to do more leads. I'm already doing leads. I suck at conversion. I've hired some other ISA companies. They've sucked. I've hired my own ISAs. That sucked. I'm not good at managing it. So tell us more about Power, Power ISA and why somebody listening might say, I need that in my life. Yeah, great question. So, you know, we started Power ISA back in 2015 and we built it as a company that initially would kind of provide you a virtual ISA, like someone embedded into your team, either a full-time or part-time person. And we started specializing in outbound prospecting. As the market shifted, we gained that expertise for the inbound lead management. We actually call it the lead manager role. So if you have you know, hundreds, thousands of leads within a CRM, you can hire an ISA to go in there, organize things a little bit, and really get the most out of the leads you have within your database, routing them to the right people, converting them, following up with them, assigning them to the right person, unassigning them from the wrong person and putting on the right person's plate. All of these lead management activities have become huge. Um, and we work with multiple types of CRMs. And last year, we launched a new service, a pay-per-lead service. So a lot of folks are generating online leads, Jeff, but it might not make any sense for them to hire even a part-time or a full-time person to really work those leads or help them. They really want nighttime coverage, weekend coverage, holiday coverage. They want someone to help them out, like having an assistant, but they don't have the, the their business is not mature enough to hire like either a part-time or a full-time person. So we have that pay-per-lead model, right? And that can be anywhere from five, six, seven bucks a lead, depending on the kind of follow-up plan that you want. But that is a pay-per-lead service. And a lot of folks send us their Facebook leads that way. There's Zillow leads, realtor.com, all those kind of real estate leads. Um, they come to that service. So we are built to complement the real estate agent and the real estate team kind of regardless of what phase of the business that they're in. If you're only generating 20, 30 leads a month, we have a paper lead option for you. We have a big team of ISAs that are going to work those leads. If you're generating 500, 1,000, we have teams that are generating 10,000 leads a month, 70, 80 people on these teams. They hire dedicated ISAs because it just makes a lot more sense and they can customize the kind of follow-up that they want for their systems and they help them organize. Those. These are massive follow-up boss, Boomtown, Commissions, Inc., CRMs um, that have dozens and dozens of agents on them, and they want someone full-time helping them convert those leads, right? You know, and, and some of these teams, um, they've got 100 pending deals at any given time, 50 pending deals at any given time, 50 active listings at any given time. And even they watch down to like with a microscope what their lead conversion numbers are. When you scale to that level, you got to know your numbers. And an ISA helps implement that policy, helps bump up those conversion numbers. Awesome. Awesome. So where would somebody go if they're interested in learning more? PowerISA.com. That is the best place to jump out, take a look at what we're doing. 
Uh, you can see everything on there. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook, uh, you know, Gus Munoz Castro. I'm also going to be very active, you know, within the Lab Code Agents group. Uh, we're starting our partnership with them uh, starting in November. Um, so you'll see me, you know, a lot more of me in that group. You can always reach out there. And we're actually going to be releasing a special offer for folks. We're announcing that next week. Um, and maybe by the time this airs, it's already out there. So check out Lab Code Agents and you'll find all the information that you need about Power ISA and any special offers we have in there. That would That's be awesome. Event. So any closing, uh, any closing commentary, anything that you want to share that you want to make sure that we cover? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I want to tell folks that, you know, I, I really love the ISA role and the people should approach it as a role. If you're an individual solo agent, you are the ISA, the same way that you're the ad admin. You're also the transaction coordinator and you're the closer. As you grow, as you develop, you're going to hand off some of these roles. If your vision is to build a team, leverage your time, and build a larger business, you're going to be handing off these roles to different people. ISA is just one more of those roles. You're going to start doing it yourself. You might be terrible at it, like a lot of these other roles, but as soon as you can, you want to leverage it out to get someone that can do it at a much higher level than you can, and that's the magic of scaling because your business grows much more than when you were doing any of these individual roles. You can really take off when you start building a team, building a business, and something that's going to last a lot longer. I love it. And if I can give a, a testimonial from another guest, I don't know if you you know Carrie Scholl. She's based out of the, the DC market or offices in Arlington, Virginia. And she yeah, has, she's got it. They're going to do a thousand units this year, her team, uh, for over uh, half a billion dollars. And they are trending towards uh, 1.2 billion. Like she's got this stuff down to a science. And she has told me, because we just had her on as a guest and we're actually friends and becoming partners, uh, that the 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 biggest the most key piece to her growth and her scaling her business to the levels that she has has been the ISA team and she's got in 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 house and she's figured it out but awesome. my point of saying that is this if if you don't know who Carrie Shoal is go look her up uh, but if that's not a testimonial to those of you listening that want to grow your business, whether you're that single agent or you're aspiring to grow a team or you already have a team and you're struggling to grow, uh, I, I can't give you a better testimonial than that. Carrie Scholl is a beast in the business. She'll probably be the number one real estate team in the country in 2021. And she attributes it to ISAs. Uh, folks, like she says, I can generate leads like nobody's business. And most people can do that. The question is, how well do you convert them? And so that is why, folks, it's one one of many reasons why Lab Code Agents is partnering with Gus and Power ISA, because we want to continue to bring that fire and bring and bring that that uh, value to our community because we know this and we're hearing this from our people. And so uh, that's another reason why you're going to see a lot more of Gus. So Gus, I'm glad to be the first to get to interview you. This has been fantastic. By the time this airs, you might already have been on Lab Code Agents, but folks, For sure. go check them out, powerisa.com. Go follow Gus Munoz Castro on Facebook and you're probably on other platforms as well. Gus, this has been fantastic. I hope you enjoy the rest of your travels and, uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you around. All right. Thanks so much, Jeff. Appreciate it. This episode of the Lab Code Agents podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform. 
free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Agents Podcasts.